It's another episode of the Broadcast Podcast. Hi, Kim. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? You are so positive and like peppy. You make me peppy. Like, <laughs> you know I'm what? I think it's because it's summer. Person. Okay. That's what it is. <laughs> and I cannot like summer like a... I know. But I will alone. say you've been handling it really well. You haven't well, complained once while we've well, been recording. And it's like 97 degrees out get for everybody. Get outside of air conditioning and yeah. it'll be a whole other story. You are world. also in a long sleeve shirt and pants. I'm trying to be professional. Why? I can't. Why? I can't help it. I, this is what I feel like when I'm podcasting. I have to be in my <laughs> podcasting u- uniform. We need to get like you in a t-shirt and shorts for the next you se- segment. You want to take me shopping and do a I makeover do. on me so bad. I am a fashion disaster. No, you're I'm, not. It's all right. One of these days though. Okay. I just want to, you know. You just want to shop. I just want to shop. <laughs> Come on. Who are we kidding? For you. Our poor guest is sitting here looking at us like, what is happening right now? <laughs> So uh, before we get started and introduce our wonderful guests, I'm going to do the housekeeping. Um, we, you can follow us on Twitter at Broadcast PGH. You can find us on Facebook at the Broadcast underscore PGH. Instagram, we are at the Broadcast underscore PGH. Our website is broadcast-podcast.com. If you would like to support the show, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash broadcast PGH. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you'd like to sponsor or otherwise partner with the show, BRBFS, buy us coffee. We are open to suggestions and would love to hear from you. You can drop us a line at broadcastpgh at gmail.com. We want to thank our current patrons, uh, Teresa Kaufman, Jamie Earl, Bobby Cherry. Bobby Cherry. I love, he's going to be so excited (laughs) that he gets the special name. Uh, And we have some anonymous donors who prefer not to be named, but we appreciate them just as much as, as anyone. And if we had an applause track, this would be this the This would be where it goes. Mm-hmm. I think it's almost a running joke now that we don't have an applause track. I know. Like People literally come have... up to me in, in the community now and they're like, I hope you get that applause track. If I'm you, like, I hope so too. If you'd like to come into the studio and applaud for us, we are down yes. with that too. Just let us know what you need. We would love that. Natalie, who's our guest today? Okay. So I've been really excited to have Shanae Jeffrey on mm-hmm. and, and we've been wanting to have her on for a while. Yeah. So I'm really glad that, you know, the universe aligned and Finally. we were able to get this amazing woman in the studio with us because she is a very busy lady. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm really excited for everyone to learn more about her story. She's originally from Guyana. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah. Yes. I always get really nervous about <laughs> names, but I'm, I'm glad yeah. that I got that right. And um, I, I just want you to tell everyone a little bit about your story. She, I always think of you as just a social activist, somebody that is so forward thinking. Your 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 vision for New Pittsburgh is inclusive, diverse, and committed to social equity. And I, I just want to hear in your own words, like, you know, tell us a little bit about where you came from, your story, and how when I say where you came from, I mean how did you get to this space of wanting mm. to be in the world of activism? Yeah. Thank you so much, ladies, for having oh, me here. So I'm so excited. <laughs> and let me just say the viewers can't see us right now, but we are in Beachview. It is nice and hot, which leads me to tell you where I'm from. So Clearly, it's somewhere hot. Uh, <laughs> so, um, as Natalie said, I'm from Guyana, specifically Georgetown, Guyana, which is actually in South America. Mm-hmm. So, it's right on the coast, right up top of Brazil, next to Venezuela and Suriname. So, right in the middle there. Um, so, I grew up there. I lived there until I was 12 years old. And then something interesting happened. Um, there was a bit of civil unrest in our country. And there was um, two ethnic groups that were kind of at friction with each other. And these were 
were the East Indians and the um, Afro-Guyanese. So because my family, it's kind of a mix of both and, you know, beautiful things happen when we all come together, mm. such as me. Um, <laughs> so it was pretty hard for us to um, kind of continue our way of life. Our school was on strike for months. Um, and then my parents made a really very hard decision and one that I'm very thankful for, um, especially years later. They decided, my dad decided to move to the Bahamas. So actually, you were like, oh my gosh, Bahamas, the beach, the sand, the sun. Um, and it's a very beautiful place. So we moved there when I was, when I say high school, we count high school from 7th to 12th grade. So we were there um, for that majority of my time. And it was a very interesting experience. Um, not as tourist uh, friendly as you would think, especially for immigrants to the country. So that was something that I had to deal with growing up, um, especially as I thought about my identity, who I am, um, especially in relation to others and my family, since others were very much labeling us as those immigrants and our accents and, oh, we can't understand you and things like that. So I took a lot of that with me. Um, and then later on, what happened was not a beautiful thing. <laughs> um, we decided and uh, my family got an opportunity to move to America and guess where they moved <laughs> Chambersburg <laughs> I know pretty pretty fascinating there <laughs> exactly so um, Chambersburg it's about an hour from Harrisburg 30 minutes from Hagerstown Maryland um, clearly I couldn't find it on a map so um, <laughs> when my dad was like we're moving to Chambersburg I was like where what? You're like, I'm sorry, huh? I was like, I, I, you, you, we just came to the Bahamas. We're, exactly. we're going to Chambersburg. <laughs> so um, we actually moved to Chambersburg towards the end of my senior year in high school, which was a whole lot of things. Oh, my gosh. You're I like, imagine that's drama so tough. Exactly. You're like, friends, prom, mm. all of these things are happening. And you're like, that. are you serious right now? Like, you're not on my timeline right now. Mm. So, um, but Chambersburg, it was. For, for me, it was about four months there and then I transitioned to Pitt mm -hmm. um, and the reason honestly I picked uh, went to Pitt was really for my father <laughs> my father is a big part of the story um, but he went to Pitt years ago back in the 70s and this was when there was a scholarship exchange program uh, with Guyana and the United States so he got to be there and he just knew Pitt and that's what he knew and that's what I knew so we went to Pitt and I would say I had a very almost too much of a good time. Um, <laughs> it's a great school. That's it's the whole it's point amazing. Of college, what did you study? Exactly. I studied health information management, mm -hmm. but I will say I was very much an expert in the social scene. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> shame so, they don't give out degrees for that. Exactly. In I, I definitely majored in like joining clubs and activities mm -hmm. and all of these things. So I, I started to think about it and I was like, I'm quite a joiner. I was always active in student affairs, different student groups. Um, sorority life, um, Caribbean and Afro-American um, Afro clubs and all of these things that intersected. And like I said, I had a great time. I had amazing friends that I'm friends to this day. Um, it's hard to believe college is over a decade ago. And it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> um, so, you know, coming from Pitt, um, staying in Pittsburgh and introduced to Pittsburgh, I think it's different after college because mm -hmm. you really get to embrace what the city is and what it does. And um, I always tell people, you know, Pittsburgh has a special place in my heart and it can never, you know, be, be mean or ill 
for me because I met love here. I grew up here. Um, you know, I was heartbroken here. All of the things uh, I went through in Pittsburgh. So I'm very much grateful for this city and throughout my experiences after college, um, working in healthcare and research. Um, I went to grad school at Carnegie Mellon, and I went to back to work at Pitt as an employee in student affairs, so I just come on back. So um, now I get the exciting job of exciting students, undergraduate students, to lead a life of community service. And the reason that I'm so passionate about that work um, is because in the interim of all of those things, Three things started to emerge for me. Three kind of buckets of I love Venn diagrams. So my my three main circles of my Venn diagram came <laughs> to emerge, and I mentioned it in my story. And those are the immigration is a big part of my passion, um, as well as Black women, which I identify as, and the work of reproductive justice, which I'll talk about in a second, and then young people. And just really exciting about working with young people in the city, being a young person in the city as well, gets me really evolved and, uh, and just looking forward to what the future holds. So when I got into the work of reproductive justice, um, reproductive justice is understanding that, you know, the different social um, structures, systems, all of these things in a woman of color, especially black women, um, definitely affect the choices they make for themselves and their families. And if they choose to have children, what environment that children that those children will live in. So all of these things was like, oh my gosh, that was my life. Um, <laughs> and those were my life with my parents and uh, my friends and the different systems and structures that contribute to where I am today. So it all comes comes together, um, especially through the lens of immigration. And like I said, I, you know, I became an American citizen back in 2011, I believe. And it was, oh my gosh, it was a day that I was like, oh, I I wish I had somebody. And I remember it was right downtown in one of the hotels with our swearing in ceremony. And I was just so full of tears. And I was like, I can't believe from Guyana to the Bahamas to this. Um, and this is what my father and my family, so much of them um, fought for this moment for me mm -hmm. to have. And now I'm here in Pittsburgh. And right now I'm here with these two lovely ladies in <laughs> Beachview. And all of it just seems like a dream. And I'm so grateful for all the people in my life that brought me here. So we can just oh. wrap up. <laughs> we're not going to add anything of value to this. Now. No, <laughs> seriously, what can we possibly say? Oh my yeah. gosh, no, Shanae. What, what what I what struck me when we first met was just your incredible enthusiasm and your positive attitude. And 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 what I find interesting about that is working as an activist. You know, it can get it can be easy to see what's wrong, mm. you know, and get bogged down in what's wrong and become, you know, frustrated and, and angry about things, which is understandable, but you've always seemed to keep such a positive outlook on things. And I think part of that from, from my perspective, knowing you is because you love this city, you want it to be better. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, a good way of sort of approaching activism is not necessarily pointing out the flaws, but saying, here's what we can make better if we work together. So what are some things that you're currently passionate and working on right mm -hmm. now? And I know specifically that they're, they involve women and girls, mm -hmm. specifically black women and girls, but what are some, some things that you can share that, that are near and dear to your heart at this moment? Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh, there's so much. Um, 
and you know, the city does mean a lot to me. And I think just speaking to your point, if my outlook on it is because I have so much hope and I'm, I'm kind of just an optimistic person yeah. always. Um, and it's kind of just been in my DNA, but something I just look to and I hope for is this world. And even, you know, Martin Luther King said the dream that we can all live in a just and equitable society. And the, the thing is we just got to keep fighting. And I know the fight is always long and sometimes very hard, um, but it's worth it. And, and I just believe and hold on to that. So the work that I get involved with, um, especially through my different organizations, as well as my work at Pitt, um, I do with the Urban League Young Professionals being the president of that chapter, um, I get to really embrace the work of what activism and advocacy means for young Black people now, especially in the city of Pittsburgh. So we do a lot of programming around those issues. Um, recently, we did a, a panel discussion on fake news. Mm. And what does that mean? Where mm. do you look for it? Um, how, what, how do you process it? Um, especially when truth becomes so subjective objective in the special um in the day and age that we live in now mm -hmm. and then we did a, also a discussion on um, activism in sports and where does that lead us um, and it's nothing new as we learned um, especially you know going back to the Olympics in Berlin and um, even before that especially for black women athletes how that activism shaped up so looking at all of those things we provide an avenue a conversation a space where black young professionals here in the city can have these discussions, really thought-provoking, but also to feel that they can be heard mm -hmm. um, and they can make a change, but also knowing how they can. So the Urban League Young Professionals is a great way, and I encourage, um, especially if you here in the Pittsburgh region between the our demographics are 21 to um, 40 years old. So if you're there in this region and you want to make a difference and you just want to come together, um, definitely check out the Urban League Young Professionals. And then there's the work of New Voices, New Voices for Reproductive Justice. Um, this is an organization that's near and dear to my heart. I'm actually wearing my King Slots and know, Twist I love shirt. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a beautiful green art. Maybe it's like a forest green. Yeah, it uh, looks good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a lot of green things, but I'm glad I wear this today. Um, so New Voices for Reproductive Justice, um, led by Latasha Mays, the amazing Latasha Mays, mm -hmm. such an inspiration for black women, uh, just being even involved in the political realm um, with this work and implications it has for the future and why policy, public policy is important um, for black women and girls. And we do our work to make sure that those rights are protected, um, those rights are mentored or nurtured, especially through our Sisters Speak program. Um, we also do get out and vote um, campaigns and we have one of the largest ones here in the region where we reach, um, I believe over 20,000 registered voters and intentional people of color, women of color, black women working for the rights of black women. So that is a space I value, I hold sacred, um, and is the work is just so important and I can't even continue to say all the good things about what they're doing and the fight that they're continually fighting for all of us. 
but then also, um, and this is my last organization. Uh, no, I love okay, it. Yeah. Yeah. So my last one is Pump, um, which is the Pittsburgh Magnet Project. Mm-hmm. Um, do a lot of PSL work. And you're like, well, what is sports and policy? And what is, why is Shanae in that? Um, well, actually, fun fact, I was a soccer player. There you yeah, go. Really. See? Yeah. It's just come together. <laughs> you wear many yeah, hats. Many hats. Yes. Yeah. I was pretty good at cricket too, but those days are gone. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So in that pump space, you know, I really get to embrace and think about what policies that um, can affect young people in this city and how they work, how they play, and how they're felt to be safe. Um, we look at gerrymandering laws, the mm-hmm. SB 22 that recently went um, into the house and what that implication would mean. We host events with the mayor and executive, um, Rich Fitzgerald, and all of those people to come together and make sure that the issues of young people are being heard and recognized. So definitely creating the spaces, the events, the programs for all of those things, which I think is so important as an avenue, as a touch point, um, and as a ground where people can stand and, and know that they're they're okay and their voices are important. Um, so that's definitely a big passion of my work. And then at my, with my students working in higher ed, you know, just... <laughs> Oh my gosh. First of all, I I don't think I was I'm as hip as I think I am because they tell me they're like, Shanae, what? That's like so 2004. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. I know, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, just being in being in that space with young people, especially I just feel so inspired all of the time. Good energy. To have, yeah, they, yeah. they keep you young. Mm-hmm. And I really do believe that. And I think each kind of generation as they come seems to get smarter mm-hmm. and I'm just like so in awe especially for the March for Our Lives mm-hmm. um, when that happened and looking at the television and be like just wow these are like you know younger than my students but also in that same generation and they're doing these things and being on campus I believe a university campus is always a futile ground for change um, and to see what the future is going to look like you have to invest in young people so just to be around them on a daily basis looking and how they can engage in community work how they can feel as meaningful parts of a society as others you know that process and that understanding of who they are in relation to all of this and also who a community is in relation to them and what each person represents, what each entity brings to the table. That process is just so beautiful and I'm constantly inspired in all of the things every day. So it's really good work and I'm happy to do it. Wow. So (laughs) one question I have as I'm listening to all you listing all the things that you're doing, all the groups that you're involved in, being an activist in this day and age is very draining, yeah. is very, it's a lot of demands kind of on your psyche and on your, you know, on your soul, really. Mm-hmm. It's Especially really, with all of the pushback that you yeah. see publicly in the media and yeah. just social media. You yeah. Know, all, there's a lot of negativity coming back at you. Even when we saw with Parkland, right. the, those survivors of a children. shooting were mm-hmm. children yeah. mm-hmm. were actually being, you know, villainized right. by people on online, which was yeah. madness. Yeah. How, how do you, even when you're dealing with talking to students, how do you keep this sense of positivity? Because I imagine there must how be protect times yourself? to protect yourself so you don't yeah. get too burnt out because having this sort of level of, of energy and, and, and keeping it going and sustaining it, and that can really be draining. How do you deal with that sort of, you know, you have to keep going despite all the sort of discouraging things. How do you protect yourself from getting too burnt out and 
you know, encourage people to keep going? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a great question. I think every person even touched or doing this work um, have to really grapple with that because it's real because we're limited so much physically by our bodies. Um, something. So there are a few things that I do. One, first and foremost, get great people around you, um, you know, and it's something uh, my friend calls it the formation circle. <laughs> so I big Beyonce fan here. <laughs> but um, <laughs> just thinking about, you know, ha- make sure that you're having women around. Like for me, I make sure that I am constantly seeking and being in the space, especially with other black women who understand and have, you know, ha- can have empathize with what I'm feeling and I don't have to explain it. So that's a burden already that I don't have to worry about being explaining myself or my feelings. Um, so I make sure that I'm around those women, um, even if it's just like last summer and we'll do it again this summer you know some friends we got together for insecure nights and game of thrones rip sorry no game of thrones this summer but um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and that was our thing on sundays we go to somebody's house um using my friends elisa's house and we just get together we watch these shows and we have that experience together and that was so great for me um something else that i do is listen to a lot of podcasts look at <laughs> Seriously, that was not intended like that. But yes, I love podcasts. That's awesome. Um, so just like you know, I, I listen to everything under the sun. Um, crime stories, news stories, um, TED talks, all of the things, um, pop culture, and and that actually relaxes me. Um, and I call it me time. So my partner knows, like, oh, it's, oh, it's Shanae time. Yes, it is. So, <laughs> yeah. so you know what it is. Yeah. You know that I don't want to talk right now, and I intentionally and something. I'm learning as the the busier I get and the more involved my schedules become is that I am learning that I have to be more intentional with with me time with Sinead time so that may come like hey I just want to watch Westworld Mm -hmm. and that's me and I don't want to think about anything and that's fine Mm -hmm. so I try to at least carve out that time um, at least an hour or two a day and also thinking about partner time (laughs) so being intentional with time with my partner he's such a great um supporter and he's he's been so great with me especially through like a lot of health things that I've been through recently diagnosed with thyroid cancer mm-hmm. uh and you know just being that rock and dealing with that and everything else um you know spending time with him has also been a great sense of relief and um less burden so we do a lot of travel together we even go to the gym we do spin classes that recently started so hope that I keep with it um (laughs) but yeah so like those kind of things is just trying to carve out intentional time yeah intentional I think is the word right like Uh making sure that you're carving out that time and and it's I almost have to block it on the calendar right where you have to specifically say, okay, this is the time for me. Exactly. No one else is allowed in that time. Exactly. And yeah. and you've got to put it in the calendar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, it's that thing. If it's not in calendar, it's not happening. my calendar. It's not happening. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 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 Be happening. So what, if, what is an issue? I mean, there's so many issues right now for young people, for people of color, for people of color in Pittsburgh, for women of color. I mean, there's so many things going on and so many things that are affecting their day to day that can just, I think, become overwhelming. Do you think that there's, what's an issue that is right now sort of uppermost? If you were going to sort of pick an issue that you think is the most urgent right now, that people should really be paying more attention to or, or being more mindful of, 
what would you say it is? I mean, because I think there's so many things people want to help, right? People want to do something, but sometimes that if if you're not focusing, if you're not directed, it's not really, you know, effective. So if you were going to sort of direct people who to an issue that's really pressing or really need some attention right now, what would you, what would your answer to that be? Gosh, that's a hard one. I know. It's a really, (laughs) I ask the tough questions around here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you know, honestly, as you were, you were saying that question, something that came to mind was safety. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and but that's nothing new. Yeah. So to me, it's like almost every person of color has to think about safety. Um, you know, I, I used to be an avid writer. I used to write all over Pittsburgh, and I knew, even without explicitly being told, that I couldn't ride in certain neighborhoods, especially on the side streets after dark, because I was like, you know what? I don't want anybody to call a cop something. So an issue of safety, mm-hmm. I think, has always been prevalent. Um, however, what I would say would be new or newer would be d- just the political landscape that we're dealing with and just paying so much attention to that, especially in your relevance to it. Um, I think people of color especially feel it a lot more, at least see it in a very different way. Um, but looking at the policies, the the legislation that's coming through, um, so especially for the SB 22 bill, and, and what that means, um, you know, it was a, a bill that was going to, you know, have a independent um, group of folks that are going to help with the redistricting lines. And there were several amendments added to it that seemed pretty good, but then there was a the, one of the last amendments that definitely fully tainted, at, at least I believe so, I haven't checked recently, um, you know, was definitely the point um, judges in that in those districts. And, you know, when judges are appointed, especially not through a judicial process, um, it becomes very sticky with politics. So that totally tanked, at least I think it does. I'm not officially um, sure yet. But with that said, you know, thinking about those things and how it affects minority groups, how it affects um, people of color, I think we have to pay more attention to it, um, especially the issue of censorship, mm-hmm. um, especially when, you know, when you say Black Lives Matter, you're automatically being labeled as a hate group or anything associated with that. Um, and I think it's, again, in some ways, and maybe nothing new, but it's newer, especially for people now experiencing it. Um, so it, it's kind of a hard question. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think There's it's so many all, intersecting points. So many, yeah. so many. And, and, you know, we're people of intersections. So with that said, you know, I think it's, a, for me personally, just thinking about the landscape and the policies and, um, you know, the things that are happening from from the state house to the Congress to the White House and how that all trickles down. Um, and, and to really just, you know, be frank, it scares me. Yeah, scares yeah. me. And and just to think about, you know, especially like for new voices, if we're putting an ad on, on Facebook, you know, we have to do all these extra steps because you're like, you have a political message attached to it. Mm. And that's just the nature of our work. And what does that mean? Are you monitoring us? Are you yeah. like, what is that? Yeah. You're going to show up and arrest people and all of these things. So it, it's scary in that way. And, but, um, the reality is that's the world we live in, and at least for right now. Mm. Um, but I think the hope and the fight will always continue because, you know, we want to live in a just and equitable society. And um, what we're experiencing in that, 
is none of those things. So the fight will always continue until until those things are realized. So um, it's a lot of a lot of great work happening out there, um, but there's also a lot of possibilities that we need to think about. Both ends. So when you when you talk about you know the issues of safety, you know I couldn't help but think starting to think about the larger issue that's been happening at our border right now mm. with you know yeah. children literally being ripped right. from their mother's breasts. I mean, wow. this is like, talk about, yeah. you know, fear mongering. And how do you, as somebody that was an immigrant, that is an mm-hmm. immigrant that came, that is now a United States citizen, when you, when you hear of that, or when you see something like that on the news, do you internalize that pain? Can you feel connected to those people and, and understanding it in a different way? And can you share how your empathy for those people, maybe that'll, maybe that could spark something with some of our Listeners that maybe have never really thought of it as impacting their lives or why should they care? They're here illegally. And, you know, you hear all this negative rhetoric, but maybe, you know, try to explain it from the position of somebody that wants to be in the United States. Absolutely. And I think in that sense, you know, yeah. Yes, I do feel a lot of different emotions with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even before the recent um, news broadcast of what's going on at our borders, I felt it even by the election time. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, I was driving down Fifth Avenue right by the intersection of um, Fifth and Aiken. And there was an NPR news article or um, segment going on. And I remember listening and it was talking um about to this immigrant family and they were saying you know they're gonna um trying to get their papers in to become a citizen so they can vote in the upcoming election this is back in november and i literally pulled the car over because i was like in tears and Mm. just to hear from um especially this was an older woman i think she was a grandmother just how she values america and how she wanted to be here and and she wanted to make sure that she was a part of its future and i think when we think about the children and these are children as young as like four and under like i can't even imagine like what that means and what that does to them and on the systems and the the psychological pain and the trauma that that's going to affect for them and how that adds to what america could be so you know for the people that support this and see it as you know these are people here illegally or things like that um you know immigrants add value to to societies and they add values to economies and i think we need to look at and first of all before all of that, these are kids. Like, right. yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, like, these are children. Yeah. And very few people would ever want to be labeled against children. So why are you trying to, like, mask it into these, like, oh, these are illegal immigrants. No, they're children. Mm. Like, we can start there. And, you know, no matter where they're from, and they deserve a future with their families. Uh, and together, where they can feel like they can build something to to better this country, we have to look at ourselves individually mm-hmm. um, and kind of put that mirror up to who we are and what role we play. And that's hard. Um, and, you know, it's hard to admit faults and it's hard to admit that you are part of, um, you know, society that promotes and takes away from others and yeah. the role that you play in it. Um, but I think until we reach that point where we can really say to ourselves and to our children, because these ideas um, are so generational and they do go over time um, until we start to make that habit. And then using after, you know, 
once we are looking at ourselves, using our own spaces and our own power to start to think about what are we doing for others? Um, but also knowing that they can do this for themselves. Um, and we just have to get out of the way and give them that space. Um, and that comes with like, hey, I'm going to take this bullet for you too. You know, I'm going to stand up when this this comment is made or when, um, you know, at the city council meeting, and I really just believe a lot of people, more people need to go to city council meetings. Um, but, you know, in that same space, when it's at my community meeting and when there's, um, you know, racist rhetoric or or um, xenophobic rhetoric coming in, when you're thinking about your community and your neighborhood, you have to be able to stand up. Um, and I think we need to get to that space of bravery and courage um, and do right for for ourselves, um, but also for others and the people in our own group need to know that and they need to see that. And I always say, you know, white people need to do better. Yeah. And I always say that, like, it's when you as a when, when when a white person stands up for a person of color to other white people, that that's powerful. Yes. Um, it doesn't take away from the person of color's voice, but you have to be able to know that that is a space and a power that you exhibit that we can't. Mm-hmm. Um, neither, and that doesn't make it fair, but it makes it at least one step closer to where we could be and where we should be. Um, and, and that makes me trust you, right? So that helps to create this society of trust that, we, we're, that we're not having right now. And maybe it's that one person, maybe that's that one family, maybe it's that one neighborhood, but you see that trend that it creates um, and that system and that feeling that it creates. And that's how we get to move forward. Um, but this is the reality is not going to come overnight. So we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay that some actions and some things that we're going to be a part of, it's it's not we're not going to see the benefit. We're it's going to benefit someone that we're never going to know, that's never going to know us, and that's okay, and that's okay. So I think it comes with a lot of different things. Um, but you know, uh, to your point, Natalie, it definitely doesn't mean that. Um, in some places, it might mean it's less for you and more for me, and you just got to be okay with that. So like, and that's, and that comes in relation to privilege, right? Mm. Um, So recognizing that, and that's the mirror, putting the mirror to yourself, knowing privilege, um, knowing your space and the the society that we live in and how it's meant for some and not for others. And even the cities that we live in and what that means, um, we need to start really taking a deep look at ourselves to get to that point. So even where to start to where that looks like. Well, I could just sit here and talk to. I have so brilliant. What can we like you said? What can we possibly add? Just let her keep going. <laughs> like, that's that's that, our best that right there. It's like not that talking. is a call to action. Yes. Get that mirror out. So if people want a, a call to action, if they want to be a part of some of the organizations that you've mentioned, mm-hmm. what are some of the websites that you can share with us? Okay, um, so definitely visit pump.org. That's literally p-u-m-p dot org. Um, U-l-y-p-p-g-h.org. That's the Urban League Young Professionals. Um, and then New Voices for RJ. And you can follow us on all those websites um, and organizations and all the social media platforms. So that's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So, um, and feel free to also on LinkedIn, I'm happy to continue the conversation as well. Wow. Thank you so much. I, I just admire you and love you so much. And we're just so happy that you could thank make you. some time to be on our show. And I hope you'll come back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, thank right. you so thank much you for so having much. me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it was awesome. It was a lot so of happy fun. To have you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Absolutely.
This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.